that you have placed on my heart for your people this morning. I thank you that the entrance of your word will bring light. It will bring light to us. That as I preach, burdens will be removed, yokes will be destroyed, and your power will be seen this morning. Lord, we open our hearts and we say, whatever you have for us is okay with us. We want to hear from you. We want to receive your word. We love you so much and we are so thankful for all that you have done. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Let's go straight into that. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. It says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. I wonder if we can declare that last line together. Say after me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Amen. So a bit like Timothy, we have the Apostle Paul here is writing to us. Um, when he was writing to, to Timothy, he was also speaking to you and speaking to me. And he's writing to us and because Timothy is in this place where he is intimidated and under pressure by, by everything that is going on around him. At this point in time, T um, Paul, it is believed, um, for those who haven't heard me say this, I'm just recapping so we can build from where we are. Um, Paul is, it is said that Paul at this point in time was probably writing his last letter because he was about to be executed. He was about to be um, uh, um, killed for preaching the gospel. And so Timothy is understandably facing um, turmoil in his heart concerning the situation. He is, not only is he upset, obviously, that Paul is going through what he is going through, but the church would have been under attack and under scrutiny uh, and being intimidated by the powers that be. And so Paul writes to him and begins to speak to him and encourage him um, because what happens is that we can often get to the place where um, we forget that we have something on the inside which empowers us to deal with everything we face on the outside. Can we say that? Say, I have something on the inside that helps me deal with everything on the outside. Okay? And so Paul is reminding us, number one, please remember that you do have a gift on the inside of you. You have a gift on the inside of you. Say, I have a gift on the inside of me. And the next thing he says is that we are to stir that gift up. To stir it up. To stir up means to rekindle. It means to fan into flame. It means to kind of cause the fire to go from, um, I like the picture that we're using there. It, it, that is where, you know, the, 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 the heat coming from those coals can make a difference. It can probably boil a cup of, uh, a, a kettle of, of water, but it's going to take longer. And so what that, those coals need is to be fanned into flame. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying you have a gift that is currently latent in you, but you need to rekindle the fire, bring it up and cause the flame to be burning once again. And that's what this series is really all about. It is, it, it, it is all about reminding you that there is nothing on the outside that you are not equipped to deal with from the inside. You have gifts within you. God saw everything that you and I will face, every challenge to our faith, every challenge to our beliefs. He saw everything that we will face and everything that we will encounter. And he equipped us from the inside out to deal with it. He equipped you with his spirit. He equipped you with faith. And Paul says, remember that you have a gift on the inside and stir it up. Fan it into flame. Rekindle it. It is to turn something from um, being in a place where it is latent to being in a place where there is a roaring fire. And he says there is the gift of the spirit of the Holy Ghost inside of you. And the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of faith, is not supposed to be a latent gift. A gift that is just kind of simmering under in the background. 
the, the gift of faith, the gift of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you is meant to be a roaring fire, is meant to be a driving force, is meant to be evident in your life that, that there is something. It's just like if, if a person is in love, you will know just by the way they walk. Just, just there is an excitement that comes when that relationship is alive and, there, and it is rekindled. And the gift of the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. Paul is reminding Timothy and he's reminding us that I know that you are dealing with stuff in life, but you need to remember you have the gift of the spirit of power, the gift of the spirit of love. The gift of the spirit of a sound mind. So don't quit, Timothy. Don't cave in because I am in prison and you're hearing that I am about to be executed. Don't quit on what God has called you to do, but instead remember the gift you have on the inside and stir that gift up. Okay? He says, remember the gift that you have on the inside and stir that gift up. And so, and so last week I talked to you about focus and distractions. Focus and distractions because the difference between a gift that is latent and a gift that is stirred up is your focus or your distractions. Okay? Whatever you focus on will magnify. How do you stir up a gift? You stir up a gift by focusing on it. I use that example, uh, again, just go using the, the, the coals as an example, if you are having a barbecue, uh, what you would do is when you set the fire, you will find that the person who is actually doing the cooking almost never leaves the, the place where the, the, the meat is being cooked. Why? Because if you are going to produce something great, you are going to have to be focused on what is happening with that fire. If you want a more spiritual example, in the Old Testament, the, the priest had a responsibility of keeping the light in the inner, in, in, in the inner, inner courts. You know, they had the outer courts, the inner courts, and the Holy of Holies. The priest had a responsibility to round the clock, do what they need to do to trim the wicks around the lights so that the fire always stayed lit. Because God wants you to have a passionate burning relationship that is that is giving life to everything that you are. Are you with me so far? And so we said the difference between a gift that is stirred up and a gift that isn't or a gift that is latent is the focus you give to it. Your distractions or the, the, the thing that is distracting you from your gift, from the gift that you have. In the case of Timothy here, he was distracted by the things that Paul was going through and the challenges that the church he was pastoring was, uh, was going through. He was the, those things are legitimate struggles, but they became a distraction to the gift of God on the inside of him, which is the thing that God gave him to deal with what he was facing. And so Paul said, stir it up. Let's help Paul preach. Tell your neighbor, stir it up. Because it is easy to live life distracted even though you have a gift within you. Amen? My wife is a gift to me. Amen? She is a, a your amen was a bit too quick, amen, but, but that's good. You all, you, all, you all see that too? Okay. That's good. That's good. She's a gift to me. Uh, but, but having her in my life and even being married to her till death do us part is no guarantee of a passionate relationship. Her being a gift to me does not necessarily mean that I will have a passionate relationship with her full of intimacy, full of oneness. It takes faith. It takes me believing that she is a gift to me and, and so much of what I need or even if we go as far we can even say she is, a, she is suitable help to me, I need to believe that she is there for me in such a way that I, I truly you know, believe it's not just head knowledge. I believe it enough when I value her opinion and I focus on her and look at everything else as a distraction. Because even though she is in my life, I find myself that I get distracted by, by ministry. I get distracted by our businesses. I get distracted by life, even our children. All of these things are good and are necessary. But when I am talking about a relationship with my wife, ministry can be a distraction. Does that make sense? When I'm talking about a relationship with my children, my work can be a distraction. 
And so what we need to do, if you are going to keep a relationship stirred up, you've got to, we have got, this is what we were talking about last week, we have got to be in a place where we discern what is a distraction because I need to make sure that my focus is the gift of God within me. And so we need to learn if I'm going to make my relationship with my wife what it ought to be, keep it, keep the passion, keep the va-va-voom going, you know, keep the ratala ata ata. You don't know what that means, ask your neighbor. If we're gonna we're gonna keep that going, it's going to take effort. And the married folk in the house said, Amen. amen. Praise God. No, it takes effort. Because, you know, it, it's very easy when, when you spend time with someone, and let's not say stuff, when you, when you spend time with, with, with someone all the time, it's very easy to start to take them for granted. And you don't put the effort in. And we do this, I believe we do this with the Holy Ghost. We take for granted his presence. We take the fact, we take for granted the fact that he is in us. With, do you know all of God is in you? That's a strong statement. You know, we hear that with our religious ears and we accept it with our minds, but our heart, and that's what I'm dealing with, I'm challenging us to really see the beauty in that, to see the power, to see the grace of God at work because he put the Holy Spirit in your unholy self. That's what the grace of God is. Are you with me so far? And so focus if, you're going to, if I'm going to maximize the gift of my wife. If I'm going to maximize the gift of the Holy Ghost, focus, I need to learn to make her my focus. I need to learn to make him my focus in the midst of distractions. I need to learn to fan the flames of our relationship. I need to learn to stir it up to keep that fire burning. And I do that by my decision to focus. Amen? Uh, it is said of Smith Wigglesworth that he did not read anything else but the word. Now, some of you might say that's extreme, but uh, 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 a few decades later, we're still talking about the things that he did. You know, now, did he have to do that? Absolutely not. You know, he just needed to believe in Jesus, and he was on his way to heaven, accepted by God. But this man recognized the grace of God pointing towards him, which is really the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of having the word of God with him, that he personally determined that everything else was a distraction, and it was the word he was going to focus on. It is said that, that he never, I think he said, I can't, uh, forgive me if I misquoted, he, I think he said something like, I, I never go and I never necessarily pray for an hour, but I never go 15 minutes without praying. What is the conversation there? It is not about prayer. It is about a, 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 uh, keeping a relationship, staying stirred up. And that is why his life is full of so much results and so much uh, that you and I are still learning from his journey because, of, because he lived life stirred up. And that's where I'm going. That's my purpose in this message. I came to, to, to remind you that there is a gift on the inside of you. I came to remind you to stir up that gift. The Spirit of the Lord sent me here to you this morning. You have been taking orders and taking certain things lying down when you have the gift of God on the inside of you. You have bought into death when life lives within you. You have settled for a platonic relationship with the Holy Ghost when he is inviting you to a level of intimacy that is deeper than anything you've ever known before. He is calling you into a deeper place. Stir it up. Amen. Amen. You love the Lord, but, but you know, you're, can I just be straight? Season, your season of lukewarmness is over. Stir it up. You have some, it's, it's a bit like if I have a relationship with my, with, you know, me and my wife is me, like being in a place where we're just coasting and the only thing we ever talk about is our children and, uh, and, and no, we need to change that up. That's not the will of God. The will of God for us is to be growing in intimacy. Amen. It is that we are growing in intimacy on purpose. We are pursuing one another. Do you know the Holy Ghost is actively always pursuing you? He's actively always after you. And so my job in this series 
is to get you to turn and see this person who has been chasing you from time immemorial. He has been chasing you when you were in the clubs. He chased you when you were a child. He chased you even when you were backslidden and you were angry with God and you said, I'm not talking to you. Still, he's still there protecting you. He's still there defending you. He's still there being your peace. I'm trying to remind you of this God and ask you to turn your attention to him because something magical will happen. Someone shout, stir it up. Come on, that's not a shout, that's a talk. Say, stir it up. What is a distraction in your life and what is your focus? What is a distraction? Now, the, remember, a distraction is anything that takes you away from the focus of this gift on the inside of you. I'm not talking about the legitimacy of the distraction. I'm talking about the gift on the inside. Amen? And so, you know, in suggesting, even uh, suggesting fasting in the last couple of weeks, the purpose wasn't fasting. Some of you, you know, I, I know that we, many of us are used to religious kind of um, activities where, 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 you know, you, you are, the, the, you're stipulated, you're going to fast from six to six or six to three. We're not going to eat water. We're not eat water. We're not going to drink, drink water. You know, I, no, all of that stuff, you know, it, it has its place. But, 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 but if you, if you, if you're doing it to earn points, you're missing the point. You might as well just eat. Amen. And so, and so the whole purpose really, and that is why I didn't put any stipulation on you, because the reality is this suggestion, the idea is to provoke you to focus. To fo provoke you, what do I need to cut off from my life, not permanently, at least for a season? Because whether you know it or not, there are so much distractions. And I, I think I said this last week. You know, you might not even believe that there are so much distractions until you lose your phone for a week. And then you realize how much time you actually have. For the, uh, come on now. You realize, you realize how much time, you know, uh, until you make a decision to switch off certain things. That's when you realize, actually, God is with me. Because we are, it's so easy to just live life constantly distracted. So fix your focus, whatever you've got to do. I suggested fasting, but the idea is whatever you've got to do. The idea is the focus. Everyone say focus. Is the turning your attention. It is the intentionality be, be, uh, behind, um, I'm going to come after you, Lord, because you came for me. You are already, it is not going, you're, we're not trying to get God's attention. You already have his attention. He's already running full throttle towards you. And the idea is to turn and see that and focus on that and believe that and receive that. It is the work of faith. Are you listening to me? Someone say, stir it up. What do you need to do to stir up that gift that is on the inside of you? It's time to turn your attention back to the word and start to believe the word like you have lost your mind. Some of us used to believe the word, but then we got real. And real means, you know, you, you, you started to turn to look to the world and want to be like every other person who does not have the word. No, let's go back to the word. Let's go back to putting your mouth in the word or putting the word in your mouth. Bury the word in your heart. Think the word. Think about this man, Jesus. Think about the Holy Ghost. You know, put him, bring him to the forefront of your life in everything that you do. Are you with me so far? Stir it up. One more time. Someone say, stir it up. I want you to, I, I'm encouraging you to live life stirred up. Look at what Paul says in Galatians 5.16. I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere this morning. Is this helping somebody this morning? This is not about religion. It is not about, it is not about anything. It is really about this gift of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. That's what it's about. Look at what Paul says in, Gal in Galatians 5.16. I'll just touch, uh, touch on this quickly and then we'll move on. He says in Galatians 5, 16, he says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit is against the flesh. And he says, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. You know, some of the answers you've been looking for, you've been wanting to do some things that you don't find yourself doing. Paul just told you why. 
He says, he says, so you don't do the things that you do, uh, that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Whether we acknowledge it or not, our flesh is often a distraction for what, from what is going on in your spirit. Okay? Um, are, are you with me? Uh, our flesh is often a distraction from what's going on in your spirit. This is why I recommended that fast. This is why I recommended that you do something to distract you. Um, uh, you do something about anything that is a distraction so you can focus on what is going on within you. Um, we are, we are in, in the New Testament, in the, in the New Testament, in the new dispensation of, of the grace of God. But the, the, the truth is that even in this dispensation of God's grace, our flesh is still at odds with our spirit. Uh, that's what, anyone understand that? Most of the time, the way I feel about myself, the way I feel about what's going on in my life has nothing to do with what God said. Anybody, this week you felt like you're stuck, but the reality is you're not. Your spirit, in your spirit, there is freedom. But you still felt, felt stuck. The way we feel a lot of the time, and, and that is because our flesh by nature, contradicts. That's what Paul is saying here. It contradicts what is going on in our spirit. Many times what I feel about myself, the way I feel about what's going on around me, the way I, you know, sometimes anybody ever felt like you have no hope or you felt like you can't handle what you are facing or you, you, you felt like nobody cares or you felt like you are ins in, in, insignificant all of that is what you felt in your flesh, but it is at complete odds to the truth of God, which is in his spirit, which is in you. Does that make sense? Our flesh is constantly contradicting the word of God. Our flesh is con constantly contradicting what the spirit of God, the spirit of God's grace on the inside of us is saying. Uh, and, 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 and so there are times where our flesh becomes the distraction from the Spirit of God. And so what, what Paul is saying, and this is what Timothy is going through, he's feeling all kinds of things. Yes, and we're talking about serious stuff. Your, 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 your father in faith, Paul, is about to be executed. I, I, I didn't say he was about to be stroked or even just beaten and let free. No, he was going to be killed. That is distressing stuff. The church was being persecuted and going through all kinds of things. That is distressing stuff that distresses your spirit. And, and we can on one level justify that level of distress and discouragement and in, uh, timidity that Timothy will be going through. But Paul turns to Timothy and he says, I know you're going through all of these things, but you have to remember that there is something that is great on the inside of you that needs to be stirred up. Amen. Because the Spirit of God is bigger than anything you face. Someone say, I have something greater on the inside of me than on the outside. Amen. So he says, Paul is saying to Timothy, stir up that gift because oftentimes it takes, I'm, I'm going to just say it this way, oftentimes it can take a denial of the flesh in order to stir up the Spirit. Did you get that? Okay, when I say flesh, I don't just mean your body. I'm talking about anything on the external. It, it, it takes some time for you to believe in healing when you're in the doctor's office and the doctor says you are dying. It takes a certain mindset to hear the words of the doctor and deny what he's saying, amen, in favor. Everyone say in favor. In favor. Now, there is this fake denial that we do as Christians where you just say, no, 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 the doctor says you're dying. You say, no, 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 I'm not dying. No, no, why, why aren't you dying? You can only deny that if you are believing the word. Not if you are afraid of dying. Did you get that? So I will not die in Jesus' name. Why? Why? Why, why, why do you say? Because the reality is there is cancer in your body. Did you get that? So, 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 so faith is not denying that the thing is eating you up. Faith is, is, is on, if you're coming down to the natural, we accept what the doctor says in the natural. But now because we have a word, a spirit that is bigger, a spirit of life living on the inside of us, 
Faith now says, I hear what you say, doctor. I give you the credit for your education, but I deny that I am dying in favor of the life that is on the inside of me because I believe that the spirit of life lives on the inside of me. And if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me, he will quicken my mortal body. Hallelujah. It is a denial for something else, not just a denial for religious sake. And so the, the focus is, you know, and by the way, I said, that's why I thank God for doctors, because without doctors, many of us Christians would have been dead. We will be denying the sickness and die. Amen. Praise God. If you're, don't stop taking your medication. Please take that medication until the healing power of God kicks in fully. Amen. Because, because, because sometimes we, we, we do stuff religiously, but not out of relationship. So we want to be in that place where we are declaring. And, he, and, like, and Paul is saying to Timothy, you know, it's not that I am not dying. It's not, it's not as if I'm not being executed. But I need you to remember that there is a spirit inside of you who is the spirit of power, the spirit of love. And in the midst of all this chaos, he's the spirit of a sound mind. Amen? So we're not going to deny that the church is being persecuted. We're not denying. In fact, Paul was killed. Paul was killed, but Timothy kept going because he understood that I have the spirit of God within me. Someone put your right hand and say, I have the spirit of life in me. Come on, say it boldly. I have the spirit of life in me. I dare you this week before you leave your house, declare I have the spirit of life in me. As you go to work, declare, have a sound mind because the Spirit of God is in me. It's not just empty words, but meditate on these words. Let them come alive in you. Then your confession will have substance. Are you with me so far? And so he says, stir it up. And Paul is saying, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You cannot stir up the Spirit of God whilst you're focused on everything else but the Spirit. I cannot rekindle my relationship with my wife if I am focused on everything else but my wife. Does that make sense? It's the same thing. If you are looking to stir up your, the, the spirit of God within you, what you're looking to do then is to, is to increase your consciousness of him. Whatever you've got to do, just do it to increase your consciousness of him. Wherever you go. Because as you increase your consciousness, it's why the scripture says as we look into his face, we become transfigured and changed into the same image. It is, it is to the degree that you look into the face of God that you are transformed to look like him. And so if I want to look like Jesus, I need to look at Jesus. Does that make sense? It is not about religion. It's not about going to hell. It's not about being accepted. It is about becoming you understand that so far, say amen. amen. And, 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 so, and so what we've got to do is understand that your flesh is often at odds with your spirit. And so uh, can I just say something, church? We have got to stop trying to spiritualize fleshy activities. And this is how we spiritualize your, your fleshly fear. You call it discernment. No, you're afraid. Anybody with me today? <laughs> you, we, we spiritualize the desire to do whatever you want, and we call it grace. You've misunderstood. Amen. Come on now. The church went quiet. We, 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 we spiritualize, you know, um, your, you know your, your flesh that just dislikes somebody. And, and there is this theology of the hater that, you know, you know, anywhere I go, anywhere we go to preach, if I want to stir up any bunch of people, all I just need to start doing is talk to you about how God will make you shine above your haters. Watch the church rise. Watch the church wake up when you say, God will lift you up above your haters. They're hating you right now, but the Lord will turn it around. He will turn it around so now your haters will see. Now, that, all of that is true, but God did not call us to have a theology of haters. He called us to be people who love. It is us spiritualizing our fear and our insecurity that we create a theology of haters. Amen. No, no, we're, we're not a church of people who are constantly watching for those who are watching you for. If they want to watch you for, let them watch you for. But you know that you will not fall. It is just, it, we're not, it's not about them, it is about, and so what we're going to do is keep our focus on the right place. So what we don't want to do is, 
spiritualized fleshly behavior. Fleshly behavior is I don't like this person for what they did to me. So what I will do is I will spiritualize my hate for this person by putting myself as the righteousness of God and branding them as a hater. I'm glad you came to church today. I'm 40. I'm going to lay it on you, man. <laughs> Amen. My, my, my daughter came in this morning and asked me, Daddy, how does it feel to be 40? But it feels good. <laughs> feels good. <laughs> Amen. I said, how do you feel to be sick? Feels good. <laughs> Interesting conversation. You know, some conversations, I don't know where they're going or where it came from. But anyway, uh, so, so, so what we want to do is don't spiritualize fleshy stuff. If you're, if you're angry with somebody, accept that you are angry with that person. And know that it is not the will of God for you to be angry with somebody. Let us start to work on that. The Spirit of God will help you. Don't spiritualize your flesh. Don't spiritualize your gossip in the name of prayer. Go to the Lord and say to the Lord, I have a problem with gossip. Help me, Jesus. Amen. But what we do is we spiritualize the, 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 the gossip. Did you hear what happened to Sister Susie? We need to pray for Sister Susie. Why do, and you who like gossip, why do we need to pray for Sister Susie? Well, let me tell you. Yesterday, and now we're going into a whole other thing that you have nothing to do with. And in the end, you say, oh, let's pray that God will help them. But well, really, you just spiritualized a spirit of gossip right there. Let's not do that. The flesh is at odds with your spirit. So everywhere you see, recognize in your flesh that there is an odd, that there, is, there is something that is contradicting what God is saying. What we, the, Paul is saying, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. If you stop being afraid that you're going to fail, and this person who said horrible things about you um, is going to have the last say, if you stop being afraid of that and walk in the spirit, they will not have the last say. Don't know if you heard what I said. If you stop worrying about, if you stop, if you stop worrying about that, the spirit of God will help you. Someone say, stir it up. <laughs> so in simple terms, what I'm saying is that there is a spirit of grace on the inside of you. And let me say this, your flesh will never take you to where the grace of God wants to take you. Your flesh will never take you. I to, I've told you this before, and, and personally, I think I said this last week, this is why I do believe in, in practices like fasting, <laughs> because, because if you don't learn to take control of your flesh, your flesh will keep, listen, I told you this example last week, your flesh, you can be in the middle of being delivered from slavery for 400 years, and your flesh will say, I want onions and leaves. And your flesh says, I want onions and leeks. So you know what the children of Israel did? They said, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery because, because I don't have meat. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Think about this. Your flesh is so powerful. This is why Paul says this. He says, I, I run like somebody who is looking to win. So what do I do? I, I, I discipline my flesh. I, so I, I make my flesh my slave. So that I don't miss out on the grace of God. Why? Because your flesh can take you. The way you feel will lead you away from the, what God has for you. And so what we, we, we must practice doing, in fact, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. There is a reason why the Spirit of God, and that's the beauty of, the beauty of this thing. All, all we need to do is get the mental ascent or, or believe that my flesh is fighting with my spirit. And so what I need to do is go back and then, Spirit of God, will you help me? Because this is the way I am feeling. And there is a gift in that gift of the Spirit of God called self-control, which he will give you. And when you receive that gift, you start to practice. You start to practice. So I feel angry, but I'm not going to let my words speak the things that I'm feeling because I have the gift of self-control. It is an act. I, in fact, I practice not saying what I'm thinking because I truly believe that I have the gift of self-control. But it's when you don't believe that you have that gift that you just feel like you're being real and you just laid out on people and now release words that keep them bound for years to come. Are you with me so far? Someone say, stir up the gift that is within you. One more time, say, stir up the gift that is within you. Stir up the gift on the inside of you. So in simple terms, in simple terms, this is what I'm really saying. Are you hearing me? In simple terms, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying engage the gift of the presence of God in you. 
That's what I'm saying. I'm saying engage the gift of the presence of God in you in a fresh way. Listen, every single day of your life, there is none of us that have engaged the gift of God in us to the maximum. Okay? None of us have seen or the scripture puts it, puts it this way. Eyes have not seen nor ears heard what God has reserved for them who love him and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't matter how much goodness you have seen, you, are not, you have not seen anything yet. And so every single one of us will always be in this place where we are reaching for more. Did you get that? Because there is a river of life on the inside of you. He is bigger than you can imagine. And what we want to do is constantly engage the presence of God in, 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 in greater ways wherever we go. Not because he is not with us, but because he is with us. Does that make sense? Not because we're trying to earn his presence. You couldn't earn his presence with anything you did, but because you have his presence. If the queen gave me access to her, I would go often. Does that make sense? I would go, if, if, if you can go into Buckingham Palace and walk into and say, hey, Eliza, how are you doing today? You know, if you can, if, no, not this one, not this, she has a Buckingham Palace, but not that one. Talking about the other one, Buckingham. But, but you know, you know, if, if you can, if, if, if you heard that you can go anytime you want to the presence of God and you lived, you, uh, to, to the Queen's house and you lived in Birmingham, you would travel every week. You would do whatever you need to do. That's all I'm saying. You have the presence of God within you. Everywhere we go, God lives within us. And we need to value that. It is, it is the, you know, that is the grace of God. That is the gift of God's grace that God will dwell with a man. You know, when, when the scripture says you are blessed, that is what the blessing is. The word blessed is barak for somebody to kneel. And give themselves to you. When you are blessed, it's not that you got a car. It is that God gave himself to you. So when I'm engaging the blessing, it's not when I'm driving the car. It is when I'm engaging the presence of God. And it's out of the presence of God I get the wisdom and the favor and the grace to get the car. Did you see that? But the real blessing is God with you. That is why even when you don't have money in your bank account, you are blessed. In the morning, you are blessed. When you just failed, you are blessed. Why? Because God is always with you. On the mountaintop, you are blessed. In the valley, you are blessed. When at night time, you are blessed. When they believe you, you are blessed. When they don't, you are blessed. Why? Because God is with you. For he himself has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, he says in the Amplified, I will not even relax my grip on you. That is how blessed you are, the God of all creation. When you go through the valley, he is with you. When you walk through the waters, he is with you. When you walk through the fires, the fire will not consume you because God is with you. This is the blessing. And so, because we are blessed, am I okay with the microphone? Get me? Okay. Because we are blessed, we engage his presence. Engage his presence like never before. Be conscious God is with me. Stir it up. One more time, tell your neighbor, stir it up. Stir it up. And so what I want to do quickly in the next few moments is just show you some things that you can find in this gift if you stir it up. Okay? And we'll continue next week, but I'll just start off by showing you this. If I go into the presence of God, if I, you know, the psalmist used to say, uh, I look up to the hills from whence cometh my help. Um, but, but the beauty of the New Testament is I don't need to go find any hills. I just need to stay wherever I am. And even if I don't have the view of the hills, I can always look within and I find the presence of God. And I want it to be as articulate as possible in articulating some of the things you will find if you stopped and you stirred up the gift within you. I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to use this Old Testament story of David in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 6, and then I'll, I'll show you some, pick out some things in here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see how we get on. Is this helping somebody this morning? 
Tell your neighbor, stir it up. Yeah. Amen. Stir it up. Like I said, if you knew the, if you had access to, to the prime minister, um, you know, I, and he said, whatever you need, come to me. You know, you, I mean, if we know you, some of you will be on the phone. Um, you know, my cousin, my cousin, my cousin is looking for a job, uh, Uncle Bo. Can, you, can we fix this? You know, on my feet, my, 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 my children, they come to me with all kinds of things. Just, just, just stuff, just, my toe is hurting. What do you want me to do? I don't know, but my toe is hurting because they have access to me. So they come regularly. There is nothing that is not important. Does that make sense? That's the idea. We go to God constantly about everything. We are consciously speaking to him. Amen? Don't worry about being a weirdo. It's, it's fine to be a weirdo and you have access to the presence of God. It's only when you're a weirdo, but you don't have any power to. That's just double trouble. But the reality is the more you really engage the presence of God, you wouldn't be. You will be attractive. Amen? Are you with me so far? First Samuel chapter 30. Let's speak out some things that you find in the presence of God, and we'll learn some lessons here. It, 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 verse 1 says, first, Sam, first Samuel chapter 30, sorry. Did I say 3? Well, First Samuel chapter 30. Verse 1 says, three days later, David and his men arrived at their town of Ziklag. They found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burnt it to the ground. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says, they had carried off the women and the children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. That's the goodness of God right there. Amen. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, the, the verse 4 says, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two, wife are, two wives are Hinoam and Jezreel. Everyone say Old Testament. Okay. <laughs> I say, what? Two wives? No, yeah. Is that what's happening now? No, no. Old Testament. Stop it. <laughs> David's two wives are Hinoam and Jezreel and Abigail, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from, from, from Carmel. <laughs> Isn't this, um, I'll leave that alone. You know, I'll leave that alone. Let's not go there. Widow of Nabal well, actually turned out to be David's wives. But most of the time, the, when the scripture, even when, when, when the scripture talks about, um, uh, what's the other one, B Bathsheba, scripture will always say uh, Uriah's wife. So even though he took her and she became his wife, just like, just like um, Abigail became his wife, scripture is still saying and saying she's the widow of Nabal. We'll leave that alone. But, but he says, he says, they were among these who were captured. Now, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. We find another a terrible situation here which happened around David. Everything was destroyed. Their wives, their children were taken captives by the enemy. And, and even though now reading um, retrospectively, we know that the children or the wives, they were not killed. They were, but imagine at the time you show up to this place, the house has been burnt down. The wives are not there. The children are not there. Imagine what they are thinking. Are they dead or are they alive? Were they dragged? Were they screaming for me? Were they crying out for me? How did they take them? Were they respectful? Have they abused them? What did they do to them? Imagine the torment that is going on in their minds, so much so that these grown men who are mighty men of battle, the Bible says they wept till they, they could weep no more. And, and all of these things were going on. But not only that, all of the men were now bitter and David was now in great danger. These men were feeling great pain, not just in their flesh, but also in their soul. They were feeling all kinds of anguish, and they became very bitter, and they were now discussing doing something stupid. Can I say something here? If you stay in the flesh long enough, it, wouldn't, it will only be a matter of time before you start discussing doing something stupid. 
Now, you can justify it and say, well, my wife is dead, my children are dead, and, and that is all true. But the reality is you are still in the flesh. These men were the same men who David, they, when they came to David, David, uh, the, the, the scripture says that they were in debt, they were discontented, and they were distressed men when they came. But they spent all this time with David, and they became mighty men of valor. David was an instrument of blessing to them, but because their flesh was affected and they felt bitterness, and this is the thing with being in the flesh, if you stay in the flesh when you are offended, it will not be long before the root of bitterness seeps in. And suddenly what happens is that the instrument of your blessing becomes the object of your hatred. This is where if, you don't, if we don't check our flesh, when we get disappointed that God hasn't done what we thought we would do, we become angry with God. Imagine you being angry with God. Imagine you being angry with your only way out. And that's what our flesh does. Because our flesh will lead you away from God. Our flesh doesn't want you to be with God. Are you listening to me? And so these men were in the place where they were now discussing, shall we stone him? How shall we catch him? Let's deal with him. And all of this is what their flesh was doing. And the scripture says, but David found strength in the Lord. Someone lift your right hand up. Say, I find strength in the Lord. I'll, I'll come back to that. But verse 7 then says, then, then he said to Abias at the priest, bring me the ephod. Bring me or the ephod. And so Abias brought it. And David asked the Lord, shall I chase after these band, this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord said to him, yes, go after them. Yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Here is what we tend to do most of the time. Many of us spend time arguing with the men. Amen. Many of us spend time arguing with the men, fighting with God. You know, imagine David. David could have been in this place. Where, are you guys talking about killing me? Do you not know who I am? I'm David. Try it. Before you know it, they're squaring up to one another. That's what we do as Christians. Come on now. You get hurt, and the next thing you say, that you, you call yourself a Christian, may the fire of the Lord. No, stop. <laughs> so now you're releasing fire to your cousin. <laughs> and so what we do, and all of that, you're, you're in the flesh. You're, that's what I call spiritualizing the flesh. Because now David could have been in this place fighting one another, arguing with that, but it's not my fault because I've been leading you and I've been doing, what, are you forgetting all the things that I did for you? All that stuff means nothing right now. It's all in the flesh. Are you with me so far? And, and what we can do is we can be in the place where we, we are feeling sorry for ourselves, but I love what David did here. He said, give me the ephod. ephod. If the ephod is a garment that is worn by the high priest, the high priest is the only one who had access to the holy of holies. In the New Testament, you are the high priest. You have been anointed to be a high priest. You can go into the holy of holies. And so David, what he is saying, in the midst of all these things going on around me, my mind is in turmoil. My men are crying and thinking about killing me. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on my robe of righteousness. The thing that makes me able to go into the presence of God. There are seasons of your life where the thing you need to say is not, be, is not to argue about who did what, when they did it, or how they did it. You need to be saying, bring me the ephod. You need to be saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Therefore, even though I don't know what's going on right now, I need to go into his presence. That's what David was saying. David was saying, bring me the ephod. All these men want to kill me. They, they've, stole, they've taken my wife. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my position. Because there are, there are seasons where you need to switch from your flesh to your position in the spirit. The kingship was for this earth. When he was suffering as a king on this earth, he switched and put on his robe as a priest before God. You and I have the same honor. We have the same privilege. If there is something happening in your domain, in your space, that is overwhelming you. He put it like this in the psalmist. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 
Because what you need is the ephod. Amen. You need your garment of righteousness. You need your garment of praise that will take you into the presence of God. Because everything you need is in that gift which is on the inside of you. Are you listening to me? Because if you don't take your position, I, I, I want to, you know, you, you can get to the place where you're fighting in the flesh. And nothing, it just, you just cause more trouble. You know, you know, anyone ever sent a text that caused more trouble? A lot of you, don't put your hand up, but you know. You ever said something that, you, you know, you know that cryptic message you put on social media that wasn't quite so cryptic? And everybody knew who we were fighting with. <laughs> Amen. You know, it just because you were in your flesh. And now your business is out there. If you're with me so far, say amen. You are a royal priesthood. Listen, you are not just a divorcee. You are not just somebody who was divorced. You are not just a single mama. You are not just a single dad. You are not just a widow or a widower. You are not just a student. You are a high priest. You are a priest before God. E even when I don't know what to do at my work, I can withdraw and put on my priestly robe to step into the presence of God. The moment I remember, I am the, the moment I engage this truth that I am the righteousness of God in Christ, uh, what, what am I doing? I am putting on my robe of righteousness afresh. Now, we're always putting it on. We always wear it wherever we go. But when, when, you, when you have a consciousness of that, you, you embrace that gift like never before, and you engage the presence of God. And that's exactly what David did. He says, all of this stuff is happening in my flesh that is so problematic. What I'm going to do is I'm going to engage the presence of God, which I have access to because of my role as the high priest. And then he goes and asks questions from the Lord. May this be a week where you choose wisely how you respond to your life. Come on, someone say amen. amen. Because you have the spirit of God on the inside. Someone say, bring me the ephod. But here are some things that David found when he stirred up that gift. Number one, he found strength. He found strength. David found strength in the Lord, verse 6 says. He found strength in the Lord. Strength here means to strengthen. It means to prevail, the ability to prevail. Okay? Strength here means um, to be encouraged. Okay? Uh, to be made firm. If you live long enough, you will find in situations, you find yourself in situations that sap your strength. Anybody ever been in situations that sap your strength? Amen. Okay, anyone? Okay, and let me see if there are any real folk in the house. You came to church last week and it was so good, but during the week, by Thursday or Friday, you felt like, I don't even know whether I love Jesus right now. I don't. So <laughs> because life saps your strength. Life, you, you, know, you, know why some, you know why we need to keep hearing the word? Can I just say why you need to keep coming to church? Is because, it's because we spend our faith. You hear the word. This week, you're going to spend your faith. If you don't hear the word to replenish your faith, you will run dry. Faith comes by hearing and by continuous hearing of the word. Faith doesn't come once. It comes continually because we spend our faith like currency. And so we constantly need replenishing. Keep topping up on your faith. And, uh, and, and that's what happened here. This is a situation that literally, David was, imagine what all of these things he's going through. Fighting uh, as, as the king that he didn't ask to be. The Samuel came to find him and anoint him king. He was running and dealing with sheep and he was fine and the Lord came and picked him out. Now he's dealing with these men who want to stone him. Discouraged he was. And, and the scripture says he found strength. In the presence of God. Let me speak to somebody who is about to quit this morning because life has put you in a, in a tight position. If you engage the spirit of the Lord inside of you, you will find, find, you will find fresh strength in you. Hallelujah. There is fresh strength available to you. There is, listen, are you listening to me? It doesn't matter how long this has gone on for. 
God will give you the strength to stand one more day. He will give you the strength to defeat this Goliath that you are facing. There is strength available to you. Don't park where you are. Don't park your car where you run out of petrol. There is a petrol station on the inside of you. If you dig deep, if you engage him, strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Amen? Because when you're feeling all kinds of way, you know, strength, strength seeps out of you. And, and, and David, David found strength in the Lord. I love Isaiah. This is my favorite scripture. When the Lord called me, this was the scripture he spoke to me because he knew I had issues. I know some of you didn't have issues and the Lord found you in church. Uh, Isaiah 41 verse 10. This is my scripture. It says, fear not, Chido Gideon, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let me tell you today, you are not done. You are not done because there is a God who is available to strengthen you. You are not done. You're not going to die where you are. Your story is not ended. Your business will not end here. Your career will not end here. Your, the, the story of your marriage will not, I'm not hyping you. I'm telling you that there is a God who gives strength. If you seek him, if you turn your face to him, if you ask him, he will strengthen you afresh. Someone say, Lord, I receive strength. David received direction. Everyone say direction. There is no better place to seek direction than from the presence of God, of the Spirit of God within you. Listen, that situation would have been absolutely different if you stopped and asked the Lord, shall I chase after this band of raiders? Lord, Lord, is this text okay? You know, we don't want to ask those kinds of questions because you know what he's going to say. Lord, 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 is it okay that I go there? Am I allowed to say this? Practice saying that. You know you, you know, you wouldn't have been dealing with HR right now if you asked the Lord if it was okay to say to your boss what you said to your boss. Are you with me so far? Direction. Everyone say direction. direction. Come on, say it again, direction. direction. When we are in the kind of position that David was, we feel all kinds of things. And, and, and when you feel all kinds of things, your emotions are not just emotions. Your emotions are, are emotions. Everything you feel is seeking to lead you to a particular place. And the real game of life is trying to get your emotions. We, we don't deny emotions as Christians, but what we do is we align our emotions to the will of God. When you feel and it is in line with the will of God, then you produce something powerful because your emotion will lead you to a powerful place. But when you feel, but what you are feeling is not aligned with the direction that God has for you, you will go in a direction that is not the will of God for your life. And that is why regardless of what we feel externally, like David, when we go into the presence of God, even when we are distressed by our lives, the Lord will know how to, the Lord did not take away the distress and the stress of not knowing about your family. He, does, he didn't take that away. He just gave him direction. So now David's anger with the Amalekites is in line with the will of God. Does that make sense? God didn't tell David, don't be angry, forgive them. He didn't say that. He aligned his anger, and now his anger is in line, and he destroyed them and recovered all. One more time. Someone say, I believe that God will give me direction. The final thing is recompense. Just for today, and we'll pick up some more next week. Recompense. First Samuel 30, uh, if you read from verse 17, then David attacked them, this is the Amalekites, from twilight until evening the next day. Because he had strength from the Lord. <laughs> Not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all. Everyone say all. all. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from him. David recovered all. See, when you walk in the spirit, you never really need. Okay? You have to know this. 
When you walk in the spirit, you will never really lose. This is why as Christians, you have to be comfortable with looking the fool. You have to be comfortable with looking like a monk. I don't know what I mean. Looking like, you know, you know what I mean? Is that shit? Yeah, okay. You have to be comfortable with that because your hope is in this God of recompense who resides on the inside of you. He knows how to fix it. Say, neighbor, he knows how to fix it. And you will recover all. What, but what we need to do is engage him. I declare over you a season of recovery. Lord, I pray for every person in, in here who is choosing to turn their face to you, to look to you, our God of recompense. May this be a season of recompense. That, Lord, you will pour and cause to a, a restoration of everything that the enemy has stolen, however he took it. Lord, we are asking that in this season you pour out that recompense. Lord, give us the presence of mind. In fact, we declare that because we have the spirit of God, we have the presence of mind to engage you, Holy Ghost, like never before. To engage you to receive strength, to receive direction, and also to receive recompense for everything. Lord, we are choosing to choose you every time, to walk in love, to walk in the spirit, and we are expecting recompense. Lord, I declare recompense, sevenfold recompense. In the name of Jesus, for everything your people have lost in serving you, in choosing to obey you, in choosing to go with what you, what you have said to them. Lord, I declare recompense from your throne to them in the name of Jesus. And those who believe said, Amen. come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. <laughs>